0: And now, Revival Fires International presents the Revival Fires radio broadcast with the dynamic evangelistic ministry of Dr. Tim Todd, a powerful voice for God and country. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is
1: good. The psalmist David declared these words not because everything in his life was always perfect and without challenge. As we all know, David had many challenges, but in spite of the challenges, he declared that the Lord was still good. We need to be declaring those same words over ourselves today. In this Thanksgiving season, regardless of the circumstances, we should set our heart and mind to thank the Lord for His goodness, His mercy, and His unmeasurable grace in our lives. Today, Dr. Tim Todd will be delivering a very special message that will help us be reminded of the goodness of God and how we should never lose our thankfulness towards the Father. Let's turn our attention right now to this powerful message entitled, Exceeded Expectation.
2: Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Several days later, Jesus came back to Capernaum. The report went out that he was home. Many people had gathered. There was no room left, even in front of the door. Jesus was speaking God's word to them. Four men came to him carrying a paralyzed man. Since they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof over the place where Jesus was. Then they lowered the cot on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith... He said to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. Some scribes were sitting there. They thought, why does he talk this way? He's dishonoring or blaspheming God. Who besides God can forgive sins at once? Jesus knew inwardly what they were thinking. He asked them, why do you have these thoughts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, pick up your cot and walk? I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralyzed man, I'm telling you to get up, pick up your cot, and go home. The man got up immediately, picked up his cot or his mat, and walked away while everyone watched. Everyone was amazed and praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The title of my message tonight, Exceeded expectation remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer father everything that you want to accomplish today Lord not what we want but what you want Lord go above and beyond I pray and ask you Lord God to consume us with your presence in Jesus name we pray and all of God's people said amen amen and amen thank you and you may be seated 45 years ago if you were looking for me in a church building on a Sunday morning you would not have found me behind the pulpit preaching the word of God I would have been a little boy, and you would have found me most likely standing on a chair in a Sunday school room, singing a song at the top of my lungs that we sang every Sunday morning. The song went something like this, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And then we'd all have to shout together, Bible. All right, three of you went to Sunday school. But what began as a cute, simple kid song in children's church and Sunday school has now transcended into a core belief in my life because I truly do stand upon the Word of God. I am a Bible preacher. I am obsessed with the Word of God. I love the Word of God. And for those of you who think that this is just some kind of a boring, antiquated book that does not apply to your life, I want you to know you have lost your mind This is the only book that is still alive. This is the only book that is still breathing. This is the only book that still has power. This is the only book that was written in antiquity, but it can still hit the specificity in every area of your life. I love the Word of God. I believe the whole thing is true. I even believe this cover too, because it says Holy Bible. I believe that's true too, don't you? And you see, other books you can read, but the Bible will read you. It will tell you whose you are, and it will tell you who you are. Now, even though I love the entire Bible, I especially love the literary genre of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they tell you all about the personal life and ministry of Jesus Christ, how he walked, how he talked, how he interacted with other people, how he revolutionized the entire world in just three years with 12 crazy dudes. I love the Gospels. And there are many people who do not appreciate the gospel. And the reason they do not appreciate the gospel is because they do not understand the reason that the gospel was written. You see, in the first few decades after the life of Christ, the gospel was not actually written down. It was spread orally. And the reason it was not written down is because there were so many eyewitnesses who had seen Jesus with their own eyes, so it became very difficult to distort his personhood and his character. For example, if somebody would have risen up in that day and would have said, You know, Jesus really didn't do miracles. He didn't take the five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people and their entire families. And what really happened is he got on his cell phone and he called Red Lobster and he said, hey, I'm in trouble over here and I need some more fish and some more bread. You see, if something like that would have happened, There would have been a group and a conglomerate of believers who would have risen up and they would have said, oh, no, I was there and I saw the miracles with my own eyes. I tasted the fish and I tasted the bread. But you see, after a certain period of time, these eyewitnesses began to die off. And as they died off, then the personhood and character of who Jesus was began to become distorted in that culture and in that society. And I found it very intriguing that as long as there were eyewitnesses, As long as there were people who had seen Jesus with their own eyes, it was very difficult to distort his personhood. May I submit to your consideration tonight that the reason why the personhood and character of Jesus Christ has become so distorted in our culture and in our society is because there are so few eyewitnesses. There are so few people who have been in the presence of God long enough to distinguish what his presence looked like. I want you to know that just because somebody goes to church on Sunday morning does not mean that they are saved. You can go to church all your life and still not know who Jesus is. You can do more religious gymnastics and calisthenics than somebody on a workout video and still not know who Jesus is. You can speak with more tongues than everybody put together in the United Nations and still not know who Jesus is. Because when Jesus is not intimately known, he cannot be accurately shown, and the picture of who he is becomes distorted in that culture and in that society. I want you to know most people... They don't want to reject Jesus. They want Jesus, but they just want Jesus on their terms. They want Jesus to become their butler and their maid and their acquiesce to what their desires are. The great A.W. Tozer said one time, it's a strange paradox that God created man in his own image, but then every day we try to recreate him in our own image. And the problem with trying to recreate God in your own image is that then you are left with a God who can never surprise you. He can never transcend you. He can never break through the narrow confines of your mind. He can never contradict you. And if he can never contradict you, then you can never be changed. Because it is contradiction that is the catalyst for change. And I need God to contradict me. I need God to tell me to go to the right when I feel like going to the left. I need God to tell me to operate in the spirit when my flesh is going crazy. I need God to tell me to operate in faith when fear has gripped my heart. I need God to tell me to pray for my enemies and to love my enemies when I feel like speaking to them with another tongue that needs no interpretation. I need God to contradict me because when God contradicts me, then I begin to become conformed into the image of the son Jesus Christ and I begin to look like the real Jesus. Is there anybody here tonight who wants to look like the real Jesus? That would say like the Apostle Paul, oh, that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. I feel like preaching tonight. But that's why I'm thankful for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who come together in a concerted effort to give us a clear picture of who the real Jesus is. This is what's so awesome about these four gospel writers. They're all four talking about the same Jesus and yet they do it in four completely different ways. It's as though there are four film directors who have each one been given their own cinematic license to write about the same subject. They each one give us their own HD view of who the real Jesus is. And that's why I'm thankful that Mark is our film director and our writer tonight. Now, for those of you sitting here that like documentaries, you need to read the book of Matthew again. Because Matthew was written primarily to a Jewish audience. And so Matthew begins telling us the long, laborious process of who Jesus was and and how that Jesus was revealed at the 300 Old Testament prophecies plus during a 1,500-year time frame. Now, for those of you sitting here that you like sci-fi films, you need to read the book of Luke because Luke was a medical doctor. So Luke began to tell us about the magnanimity of the miracles of Jesus. And for those of you who like the love stories, and the romance films, you need to read the book of John because John was the disciple that had his head on the chest of Jesus and he was all about love. He was very exegetical when he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But for those of you sitting here that like action films, come with me tonight to the book of Mark. Mark wanted you to know because Mark described Jesus in action. Mark wanted you to know that before there was a Mel Gibson in Braveheart, before there was an Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator, there was King Jesus, and when he came on the scene, everything had to bow its knee to his divine authority. So here's Jesus is being described in the book of Mark. He's walking along, he's traveling, he's picking up his walking miles. And the Bible says that he stopped at a certain house now most theologians believe that the house that Jesus stopped at belonged to Peter the bible says that within minutes of Jesus stopping at that house that he came in and they sat down to rest in that house And within minutes, people from all over the area started getting the word out. Saying, hey, Jesus is in that house over there. You better get over here as quick as you can. I mean, they were getting on Facebook and emailing and texting and sending out Twitters. And they were saying, hey, Jesus is in that house. Get over here as quick as you can. And within minutes, that house was completely jam-packed with people from the entire area simply because his presence came to sit down and rest in that house. People from every different economic level, people from every different background came from all over the area simply because his presence had come to rest in that house. What is it about when the presence of God comes to rest in the house that will cause people from the entire area in Louisville to come to the house of God? I'll tell you what it is. Because people instinctively know that if you can ever get his presence in the house... To come rest in the house. Something supernatural, something life-changing will happen if you can get a presence to come rest in the house. Why are you here tonight? Hello? You could be at home watching Duck Dynasty. Why did you come here to the house of God tonight and put on your Mary Kay Mac makeup and put on your nice clothes and come to the house of God? You're not here because of the preaching. I can assure you of that. You're not here because of the music, and the music is powerful. I believe the reason you came tonight is because you knew the presence of God was going to be in the house. And when his presence is in the house, it raises an expectancy for the supernatural to occur. So here's Jesus. He's in this house. It's packed with people. And I can use my exegetical imagination, and I can see sick people in the house saying, if he just touches me, I believe I'll be made whole. And I can use my practical imagination, and I can see a woman sitting down on the front row with her son who's not paying attention. And he's on his PlayStation, and she slaps him and says, Young man, you better pay attention. Jesus is in the house. He's going to tell you something that's going to change your life. And you know, Jesus was single in the ministry, right? So no doubt, there were single women in the building saying, Ooh, Yeshua is fine. Look at that hair. I heard the other day he turned water into wine. If he asked me out on a date, I'm ordering water. (laughs) But the people were in that house watching to see what Jesus was going to do when in actuality they should have been listening to hear what he was going to say. The Bible says Jesus stood up. He probably cleared his holy throat and he began to preach the word to them. Now, that makes me want to shout. You know, I've only been preaching now for 27 years. My dad's been preaching for 65 years now. There's something about when the Word of God goes forth under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that changes people's lives. And for those of you sitting here tonight that you're called into the ministry, let me challenge and charge you tonight. Whatever you do, whatever sphere of ministry that you're called to, preach the Word. Not everybody who stands in the pulpit is preaching the Word of God. We've got a lot of people today that are preaching pop psychology. They're preaching their own opinion. And then they don't see any transformation in people's lives. And they don't understand why. Hear me. The only thing that will transform a sin-sick soul is for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joint tomorrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. I love to hear the Word of God preached. I don't even care what kind of homiletical style you've got. As long as you're preaching the Word, I'm right there with you. I like to hear soft-spoken preachers as long as they're preaching the Word. I like to hear fiery preachers that preach with an organ playing behind them as long as they're preaching the Word. Amen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Now you know why I don't sing while I'm preaching. But here's Jesus, the most extraordinary preacher ever walked the face of the earth, preaching the word of God. You know why I preach tonight like I've had six red bowls? Because I've had six red... No, I haven't, I promise. You know why I preach like I've got so much passion and so much fire? Because I know that whenever we get to heaven, nobody's going to want to hear me preach. When we get to heaven, the only person we're going to want to hear preach is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Give him a hand clap of praise. So here is Jesus, the living word, preaching the written word. You see, whenever I preach or any other pastor preaches, we just have a word. Jesus was the word made flesh. That means that if Jesus wanted to preach, really all he had to do was go like this. Because he was the word made flesh. He had more revelation in his big toe than anybody who would matriculated from the upper echelon of the most prestigious theological seminary. And he was profound and proficient in excavation and extrapolating the complexities that are found hidden within any biblical composition. He was powerful. He was the Word made flesh that dwelt among us. So he's preaching, and all of a sudden there's an interruption to his message. Somebody looks up and says, somebody's walking on the roof. And then the distraction gets stronger. Everybody's trying to listen. Dust and debris begins to fall just above Jesus' head. Then all of a sudden, there's a hole that begins to appear on the roof. And fingers come through that hole. And that hole is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, you remember, most Bible scholars believe that this was Peter's house. If there is a disciple in the Bible that you don't want to tear a hole in their roof, it's Peter. If you want to tear a hole in a disciple's roof, start with somebody like John. John would have looked up and said, Oh, now I can see the stars that my heavenly father hath made for me to see. But not Peter. Oh, no, Peter would hurt you. Peter would cut you. Peter was crazy. So I can see Jesus standing there, and Peter's standing right next to him. And Peter notices that hole in his roof. And Peter looks up, and he says, What in the... And Jesus says, Watch your mouth, Peter. We talked about this. Don't say it. So that hole is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden that man is being lowered down, down, down into the presence of Jesus. The Bible doesn't even tell us what this man's name was. Did you notice that? Doesn't even tell us how long this man has had this paralysis. The Bible simply tells us that he's a man With a paralysis. Why is this noteworthy? Because one of the literary nuances you will find in the New Testament is that when Jesus interacts with people, rarely do we get their name. More often than not, we get their gender and their condition. Have you noticed that? There's a man with the withered hand. There's a woman with an issue of blood. There's a man who was blind. There's a man who was deaf. We get their gender and their condition. What does this speak to? It speaks to the human tendency and propensity to identify people by their issues. The truth is, we love to label people by their issues and by their dysfunctions. We love to label people by the dysfunction that they have or by the thing that they're going through. People love to say, you see her? She committed adultery on her husband. You see her? She had a baby out of wedlock. You see him? He's an alcoholic. You see him? He still smokes cigarettes. We love to label people by the dysfunction that they have or by the thing that they're going through until they begin to think that they are the thing that they have and they are the dysfunction that they're going through. I want you to hear me tonight. If you are a new creature in Christ old things are passed away and behold all things have become new doesn't matter what people say about you doesn't matter what people think about you doesn't matter what people gossip about you I want you to know that you can look them straight in the face and say you know what you may know a lot about my history but you don't know anything at all about my destiny because there are greater things in front of me that are behind me so they began to label this man by his dysfunction and get this he was in the presence of God but he had a paralysis he was in God's presence but he had a paralysis paralysis I would say that there's, even in this group that's here tonight, there are many of you sitting here that even though you're here in the presence of God, you have a paralysis in your life. Now, no doubt all of you drank Kool-Aid out of your water fountain this morning and you had manna for breakfast when you got up this morning and everything's peachy king and no problems at all. But I think you'd be stunned tonight if you knew how many people in the building that are here tonight that even though you're here in the presence of God, you have something that you're going through. Something that impedes your mobility. Something that is keeping you from being everything that you want to be for God. Something that you cry out to God in your secret place and you say, God, if I just didn't have this going on in my life, I could move forward in you. But you know, we love to pretend like everything's okay when it really is not okay. Is that true? I've often thought that if... Hollywood needed more actors and actresses. They wouldn't really need to go to Juilliard or to the Academy Awards or to the Golden Globe. They could come right here to our church buildings because we love to pretend like everything's okay when it really is not okay. People will come to the house of God and they'll put on, oh, glory to God, praise the Lord. God is good all the time. God bless you. Oh, he does. Hallelujah. And just before that, you were on your way to church. Yelling at each other saying, if you say one more word to me, I'm going to slap you. Tonight, can we just rip off the facade get rid of the garbage? Some of you sitting here tonight would have to admit, Brother Todd, you're right. I've got a paralysis, something in my life that I'm going through and I need God to intervene on my behalf. God says tonight, listen close. Don't be weary in well-doing because if you faint not in due season, you're going to reap the harvest that God promised you to reap and beyond. God has a way of bringing us to the right place at the right time to hear the right words so we can do the right work in every area of your life. And thank God for the four friends in this story. You know what kind of faith they had? They said to this man, you know what? We don't know what to do for you, but we can get you into the presence of somebody who can do something for you and can give you what you need. That's the kind of friends that you need to have to surround you. You don't need people that are going to keep you down on the ground. You need to have tear off the roof friends that are going to do whatever it takes to get you into the presence of God. So here Jesus is preaching and all of a sudden there's an interruption to his message. Now, Pastor Kevin, when you're preaching, if somebody tears a hole in the roof, you may as well shut that sermon down. So here Jesus is preaching and there's an interruption to his message and everybody's taken back. But at the same time they're taken back, you know they have to be excited too. Come on. You know that word has gone out throughout the community that this man and throughout the region, that this man Jesus has supernatural power to heal the sick, to perform miracle signs and wonders. So there had to be people in that room that whenever that hole begins to appear and that man begins to be lowered down, that there had to be people in that room that were saying, Ooh, it's about to go down. I don't know if he's going to rub mud on his legs or what he's going to do, but this is going to be awesome. You better get your camera phone out and get ready to put this up on Facebook and YouTube. So the crowd is excited. And you know this man's got to be embarrassed because he's a paralytic being lowered down in front of all of these people. But all of a sudden, his embarrassment is eradicated with elation because he realizes for the first time he's going to be able to walk for the first time he's going to be able to run for the first time he's going to be able to try out for dancing with the stars so while the crowd is ready to clap and this man is ready to dance the son of God who has the power to heal this man looks at the man and he doesn't say son be healed he looks at the man and says son he said friend your sins are forgiven what? I know that all of you that are super spiritual just got that look on your face. Yes, glory to God, he's dealing with the real problem, sin. But you know, whenever I read a story in the Bible, I like to put myself in the middle of that story. And because I have a tendency to be a little bit sardonic, a little bit sarcastic, I probably would have been kicked out of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. But I can see the story unfolding like this. Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. I can see that man say, oh, yeah, Jesus. That's exactly what I came here for, to have my sins forgiven. I don't want to walk. I don't want to run. I didn't want to dance. I just came here to have my sins forgiven. Mission accomplished. Let's all go home. This man did not say anything about wanting his sins forgiven. He didn't say anything about having a struggle that he needed help with. Jesus seems to be the only person in the building that doesn't realize this man didn't come there to have his sins forgiven. He came there to do the moonwalk. But anytime time in the Bible, Jesus appears to be acting ignorant. Pay close attention. He's getting ready to give you an incredible insight. Let me say that more eloquently. There is a profundity to the alleged stupidity of Christ. This man doesn't even realize that he's in the exact position that he needs to be for God to speak to him and for God to do a work in his life. You see, there's a place where God reveals himself to you and that man was right in that place. Listen close. When your experience is not lining up with your expectation it is an opportunity for God to give you a revelation of who he is. You see, more often than not in Scripture, Jesus is not recognized, he's revealed. And he reveals himself to you when your experience does not line up with what you've been expecting for God to do. I wish I had time to go through the entire Bible to show you all of the places in the Word of God that this happened. I'm going to give you an example, a personal example, and then I'm going to give you an example from the Word of God. Our twin girls, Miracle Joy and Mariah Faith, in October of 1995, we were in a revival in Honolulu, Hawaii. Somebody's got to go preach to those people. And my wife and I said, we'll go. In the middle of the night, my wife woke up and she'd had a dream that she gave birth to a stillborn baby girl. In the dream, God miraculously raised that baby from the dead. In the dream, my wife named the baby Miracle Joy. She woke up, told me about the dream, and six months later, we found out that my wife was pregnant with our second pregnancy. Luke was just a little boy, and Miracle and Mariah were in my wife's womb, and we didn't realize that it was twins. We went to the doctor. The doctor told us that we had twins, but he was concerned about the size of the twins in the womb. So, he sent us to a perinatologist. They ran extensive tests only to determine that the twins had something that's called twin-twin transfusion. And the doctor pointed to the ultrasound and he said that smallest twin will die 28 weeks or before, and he said, of starvation. And he said the other twin will die of heart failure. And he said, statistically, there's a 95 to 100% chance that both of your twins will die in the womb at 28 weeks or earlier. And he said, on top of that, there's no amniotic fluid at all in the sack of these twins. And he said, I recommend without reservation that you have a DNC. My wife looked at the doctor and said, Dr. Newman, with all due respect, what you've just said has gone in one ear and out the other. And she pointed to the ultrasound, and my wife said, we will walk out of this hospital with both babies alive. Every two weeks, we went back to the doctor, and it was never better. It was always worse. We were sure God was going to give us our twins, but we never saw any progress. At one point, I was out of my car and I was praying and I said, God, I said, you're now God. I claim healing for our twins in Jesus' name. When I finished praying, the Holy Spirit filled my vehicle and God said, Tim, are you through? I said, yes, Lord. God said, Tim, do you want to do this or do you want me to do this? I said, God, I want you to do this. God said, I'm accomplishing something bigger than what you can see. At 31 weeks, our twins were born premature Mariah Faith weighed two pounds at birth. She was in the hospital for seven weeks. She came home with no physical problems whatsoever. Miracle Joy was a different story. Miracle Joy weighed one pound at birth and dropped down to 12 ounces. In fact, if you look real close, you see this wedding ring that's on my hand right here? That was on her thigh. She dropped down to 12 ounces. She literally was this tiny. After a period of time, three weeks the doctors realized that they were going to survive the pregnancy. And the doctor wrote a letter for the medical journal stating that this was the most outstanding medical miracle he'd seen since he'd been in practice. When I went to the doctor's office to pick the letter up, his secretary said, Brother Todd, I've worked for Dr. Newman for more than 20 years and he never lets us talk about God in the office. But ever since your twins have been born, all he talks about... Is what God did for your twins. She said, Dr. Newman told me to tell you that if you would read the letter that he wrote for the medical journal in your home church, that he would come to the service and listen to you read it. I made the arrangements. That morning, Dr. Newman and his wife and four small children came to the service. I read the letter, and Dr. Newman sat with my wife and I, he and his family, and he wept all through the service. When the service was over, when my wife and I got back to our house, our phone was ringing. It was Dr. Newman. My wife answered the phone, and he said, You know, Angie, he said, I was raised in church as a little boy. I used to faithfully serve God. He said, But I've not served God now for more than 30 years. He said, But your twin girls have had such an impact on my life. He said, on the way home from church this morning, my wife and I pulled over on the side of the road and we asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And you say, well, are they still serving God? Their whole family is serving God today. We had stakes with them at their house over spring break. That's the God we serve. Amen. Miracle was in the hospital for five months. She had 10 blood transfusions and six major operations. She came home on a feeding tube without it. She couldn't eat. Oxygen without it. She couldn't breathe on a heart monitor and breathing monitor, but our twin girls are 100% healed with no medical problems whatsoever. Our medical bills got up to over $500,000 and I was praying about those medical bills and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and told me to give a seed offering of $1,000 to a missions project. My first response was, I said, God... With all of these medical bills, over $500,000, there's no way I can afford to do that. God said, Tim, with all these medical bills, there's no way you can afford not to do that. I put a check in the mail that morning. The same day when I went back to get the mail, there was a stack of bills from all of the medical carriers. Right in the middle of those bills was a letter from the director of the business office at Woman's Hospital in Baton Rouge, where the twins were. She had taken it upon herself and contacted all of the medical carriers and every one of them agreed to write the entire bill completely off and over a $500,000 worth the medical bills were taken care of. That's the God we serve. So you think about it. Miracle and Mariah were healed. Our medical bills were taken care of. And Dr. Newman and his whole family are serving God today. That's the God we serve. Amen. But you think about this, even in the word of God, when your experience is not lining up with their expectation, it's a setup for God to give you a revelation of who he is. You remember Mary and Martha in the Bible? Lazarus got sick. He's like,
0: oh, got the black plague.
2: And Mary's stressing out over the whole thing. She's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. My only brother's going to die. And Martha's got more faith. So Martha's like, Mary, you wipe those tears away. When Jesus comes to this area to preach, where does he stay? And Mary's like, he stays right here at our house. And Martha's exactly right. That means that this house is covered and everything's going to be fine. And where's my cell phone? I'm going to text Jesus right now. So Martha gets her cell phone out. She texts Jesus. She says, Jesus, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. You're Jesus. Do what you do. Send. Jesus is across town preaching. And he hears a cell phone go off in his service. He turns to his disciples and said, I told you guys to put your cell phones on silence while I'm preaching. Andrew says, "Uh, Master, that's your cell phone. And Jesus is like, oh, my bad. (laughs) Jesus reads the text from Martha, and he responds immediately. He says, do not worry, Martha. This sickness, this cyclone, predictive text, this sickness will not end in death. Sinned. Martha gets that text. She thinks Jesus is going to heal Lazarus. So she starts shouting, and they're having church. Praise God. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. I mean, they're running, jumping, shouting. No more than Mary gives Martha a high five. Guess what happens? Lazarus dies. Jesus doesn't come to the funeral. Jesus doesn't come to the graveside. He does not show up until four days after the man is stinking and in the grave. So no doubt, not only is Mary and Martha grieving, but they're angry. Jesus shows up. He's like, hey, how's it going? They're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> Jesus, if you would have just been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus went to the grave, raised Lazarus from the dead. Their experience was not lining up with their expectation. And there was a setup for God to reveal to them That not only did Jesus have the supernatural power to heal Lazarus, but he also had the resurrection power to raise Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus had to allow Lazarus to die in order to reveal that to them. Perhaps you're here tonight and your experience is not lining up with your expectation. What you've been expecting for God to do in your life. I want you to hear me. It's a setup for God to give you a revelation of who he is. Sometimes it's not until your money's funny, your change is strange, and they're downsizing on the job, then you realize Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When your experience is not lining up with what you've been expecting to happen, when they're downsizing on the job and yet you're still able to make ends meet. Whenever the economy is doing lousy, and yet you're still eating three meals a day. And God is revealing to you that he is your source and that your job is just your resource. When somebody that's close to you that they talk behind your back, it's then that you realize that Jesus is the friend that sits closer than a brother. Is that true? Sometimes it's not until you get really, really sick in your body that then you realize that Jesus is Jehovah Rafi, your great physician. And I have the strange suspicion tonight that the very thing that you've been belly and complaining about, you should be thanking God for because it's a setup for God to give you a revelation of who he is. What was God revealing to this man in this story? Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Only a Savior could say that. Only a Savior could make that bold declaration. Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven, and this man's got to be thinking, Jesus, hello, my legs, I want to walk. Jesus, you don't even know what my problem is. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't know what your problem is. You think your problem is the paralyzation in your legs, but that's only a symptom of your problem. You see, the paralyzation in your legs is just the fruit of the problem, but the root of the problem is your sin, and I'm not going to deal with the fruit of the problem until after I deal with the root of the problem. You see, in the church, we all want God to heal us when, in fact, God perhaps wants to deal with the root of the problem. Now, I'm not postulating an erroneous doctrine or theology that would tell you that all sickness is a result of sin, but what I am saying is this. What Jesus is saying here is this. To this man, your paralyzation is a result of what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve went into sin. You see, it was never God's desire for you to be sick. It was never God's desire for you to have disease. It was never God's desire for you to die. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to deal with the paralyzation, but first I must deal with the sin. I'm going to deal with the ailment in your body, but first I'm going to deal with the alienation of your spirit because I'm not just the God of your circumstance, but I'm the God of your soul and I've got to deal with both. One tenet that we need to learn is this. God is not just the God of your circumstance. He's the God of your soul. So Jesus said to this man, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven because that was the root of the problem. Now also in the room were the religious people that were pretentiously puffed up with pomposity and pride. Have you noticed that religious people, most all of the time, they've got the same look on their face like they smell something in the room. (laughs) Like they've been baptized in pickle juice. The Bible says that when Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven because that was the root of the problem, the religious people in the room they thought to themselves. They didn't say it. They thought it. That's what religious people do. They usually don't say it out loud. They just think it. They thought to themselves, "Who? Huh, that's blasphemy. Who but God alone can forgive sin? He's blaspheming. No, they were blaspheming because they were calling Jesus a blasphemer and that's blasphemy to call Jesus a blasphemer. <laughs> Have you noticed that usually religious people will accuse you of things that they're guilty of themselves? They'll say, girl, you see her? She is a gossiper. You better watch out for her. No, you're a gossiper because you called her a gossiper. And the reason you knew she was a gossiper is because you're gossiping about her being a gossiper. law. <laughs> they thought to themselves... Who but God alone can forgive sin? And Jesus said, why are you thinking these things? Is it easier for me to say, friend, your sins are forgiven? Or for me to say, get up, take up your bed and walk? So that you may know the Son of Man has all authority. How many of you are thankful that God has all authority? No matter what you're going through right now, heaven is His throne and the earth is His footstool and He has all authority in His hand. Jesus said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. And then he looked at the man, and he said, I say unto you, get up. Somebody say that with me. Get up. Say it like you've got some fire down inside of you. Get up. Say it like you've got some faith. Get up. He didn't say, here's a six-week CD series on how to get up. He didn't say, gather around them and tell them to get up. He just said, get up. That's a word for some people here tonight. God is saying, get up. I want to do a new work in your life. God is saying, Get up. I want to use you in this church body. God is saying, Get up. I've got a new work I want to do in you and through you and in your family. God said, Get up. No doubt this man's legs start tingling. And he stands up, and everybody in that room burst into applause. And then Jesus said, Take up your mat. This man's got to be thinking, No, Jesus, I don't need that mat anymore. I'm walking now. And Jesus is like, Oh, no, take up your mat. I don't ever want you to forget that you were down, and now you're up. You know what that mat represents? Your testimony and mine. You see, I was lost, but I have a mat. Now I've been found. I'm saved. I was addicted to drugs, but I have a mat. I have a testimony. Now I've been set free. I was addicted to alcohol, but I have a mat. I've been set free. And how many of you are thankful that you've been set free? Amen? Don't ever forget where you came from. Because if you forget where you came from, you're going to forget where you're going. And if you forget where you're going, you're going to get lost somewhere in between. He said, get up. Take up your mat. And then he said, go home. Can you imagine this man walking home? He's walking by people that have never seen him walk before. So he's got to be strutting. He's pointing out his legs. He's walking. He gets to his house. He probably has a beautiful family Perhaps that's never seen him walk before. So he wants to surprise him. So he knocks on the front door. His children come to the door. And they're like, Daddy, we've never seen you walk. Daddy, you're walking. And they're crying and they're yelling for mom in the kitchen. She's in there fixing Kentucky fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy. And she comes to the front door and she sees her husband standing there. And she's ready to say something to him. And he stops her. And he says, you know what? This is a miracle that I'm walking, but that's not even the real miracle. The real miracle is this. My sins have been washed away. He exceeded my expectation. Now look at me. I don't know what you need from God tonight. But whatever you think you need from God, he wants to do beyond that. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. Holy Spirit of the living God do what needs to be done.
1: We trust that you have been encouraged by this powerful message, Exceeded Expectation. One of the Lord's promises to us is that He will do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we can ask, imagine, or think. That alone is a great reason to be thankful during this Thanksgiving season. Our thankfulness to the Lord is a reflection of our gratitude for not only what He has already done, but what is still yet to come. Christmas is just around the corner and we are so thankful for the gift of our Savior. Revival Fires has a very special gift offer to extend to you. Dr. Tim Todd wants to give a free Truth For Youth Bible to every student between the ages of 13 and 18 so that they can give this Bible as a gift to someone who needs the Lord. Just as the Word of God declares that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, we believe that giving the gift of the Word of God will continue that prophetic purpose in our current society. You can order your free Truth for Youth Bible by going to truthforyouth.com. That's right, truthforyouth.com. You can place an order for one Bible per teenager, per household, totally free as a gift from Dr. Tim Todd and Revival Fires International. This will be an amazing gift to offer those who need it the most. Let's take a moment and hear from Mary, who has a powerful testimony about the Truth For Youth Bible.
3: Growing up, I never really knew my father. It was just me and my mom and we didn't exactly have a good relationship. Um, my mom stayed addicted to drugs throughout her pregnancy with me and um, even as I was growing up she stayed messed up on drugs and alcohol all the time. Um, I, and even as I got older I would even get high with her. I can, I can remember there were so many instances where she would be so high or so drunk that she couldn't, she couldn't even get herself cleaned up and get herself to bed so I would have to do it for her and I just eventually got so strung out and so depressed that that I started cutting myself and I got involved in witchcraft and, and it got to the point where people didn't even want to be around me and, and um, I didn't have any friends and I was just really hard to be around and um, so I told myself that I would be better off just taking my life and I woke up one morning and I told myself that if nobody told me that they loved me that day then I was just going to kill myself and that day at school a girl that I didn't know came rushing over to my locker and she handed me a Truth For Youth Bible and she said, Hey, Jesus loves you, you should read this. And as she said that, I remembered what I told myself that morning and I thought, I should probably read this. And by the time I finished reading the comics in the front, I thought, wow, she's right, Jesus really does love me. And there was even a comic in there that talked about the dangers of witchcraft in ways that I never even considered. And there was a page in Truth For Youth that showed me how to give my heart to Jesus. I just prayed and Jesus forgave me of my sins. And now I'm praying for my mom that God would show her the love that He has shown me and she would give her heart to the Lord.
1: You can order your free Truth For Youth Bible by going to truthforyouth.com. That's right, truthforyouth.com. You can place an order for one Bible per teenager, per household, totally free, as a gift from Dr. Tim Todd and Revival Fires International.
2: This is the only book that is still alive. This is the only book that is still breathing. This is the only book that still has power. This is the only book that was written in antiquity, but it can still hit the specificity in every area of your life.
1: Here's another testimony of how the Truth For Youth Bible has had an amazing impact on someone's life.
3: When I was 10 years old, My parents got a divorce. I cried and cried about it. As my dad was leaving, I ran to the front yard and asked him why was he doing this. He said it was the best for our family. After that, I didn't cry about anything. I started smoking pot, doing drugs, and I drank a lot. I felt so worthless. A few days ago, my friend Monica gave me a True For Youth Bible. As I was reading the comics, I felt like Jesus was giving me a big warm hug. And I know that sounds weird, but that's how I felt. I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and the Truth For Youth Bible explained to me how to do that. I'm so happy that my friend gave me the Truth For Youth Bible. It healed so many emotional hurts that I had. It changed my life.
1: You can order your free Truth For Youth Bible by going to truthforyouth.com. That's right, truthforyouth.com. You can place an order for one Bible per teenager, per household, totally free as a gift from Dr. Tim Todd and Revival Fires International. Christmas is just around the corner, and we are so thankful for the gift of our Savior. Revival Fires has a very special gift offer to extend to you. Dr. Tim Todd wants to give a free Truth For Youth Bible to every student between the ages of 13 and 18 so that they can give this Bible as a gift to someone who needs the Lord. Just as the Word of God declares that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, we believe that giving the gift of the Word of God will continue that prophetic purpose in our current society. Here's another testimony of how the Truth For Youth Bible has had an amazing impact on someone's life.
4: Hi, I teach in a high school, and I just want to say thank you for the Truth For Youth Bibles. A youth group in our area was passing them out, and each young person would have three to five Bibles a day. They would explain the Bible and witness to the person they were giving it to. They went through the first hundred like water, and the kids that didn't get a Bible were begging for them. One young lady said she wanted to give a Bible to a particular person that she knew would not receive it. Not only did that person receive it, they were thankful for it and promised to read it. It was by the end of that day that that person committed their life to Christ. I am praying that God would continue to bless your ministry so that others will be saved because of your willingness to get the truth of God's Word out. Thank you very much.
1: That is exactly the desire of Dr. Tim Todd and Revival Fires International to get the seed of the Word of God out into this society, into the hands of everyone who needs a copy of the Word of God. During this very special Thanksgiving season, and as we approach Christmas, what a better gift that we can give than the seed of the Word of God! Here's another testimony of how the Truth For Youth Bible has had an amazing impact on someone's life.
5: I was one of the most prominent drug dealers in my school. If anybody needed anything from pot to pills, they knew I was the guy to come see. Well, one of the girls came up to me one day and gave me a Truth For Youth Bible. She told me to read it. I immediately told her that uh, I didn't want it and to get lost, and I started cussing her out. But as I walked away, something told me not to throw the Bible away. Something told me to keep it. Well, At that day at lunch, I started reading it. started reading some of the comics in the front, and I noticed that one of the drug dealers in the front was a guy about my age, and... It was a lot like me. Uh, it was incredible how closely it was to my life. And I realized that I needed help, and God was the only way I was going to get that. So... I went and found the girl, I asked her to forgive me for being angry at her, and I asked her to teach me how to pray, and she did, and she forgave me, and then I asked Jesus to forgive me. And now I'm one of the most prominent Truth For Youth Bible givers. (laughs) My principal's even noticed, and he's allowed me to have a, a Bible club every Wednesday morning, and now we have over 100 students every day coming to it. Keep giving me the Bibles, and I'll keep giving them no way.
1: There is undeniable proof that the Truth For Youth Bible has made an eternal impact on so many people. Why don't you stop right now and place your order today for your free copy of the Truth For Youth Bible. Every student in your home between the ages of 13 and 18 can receive a free Truth For Youth Bible to give as a gift to someone who needs to be saved. There is no better time than now, and there's no greater gift than the Word of God. Go immediately to truthforyouth.com and place your order today. What if there is someone who has never celebrated Christmas with the full understanding of who Christ is? What if your involvement in giving the Truth for Youth Bible as a gift is that path? that God uses to bring someone to the Lord before Christmas. Let's spread the seed of the Word of God as far as we can and be a part of this tremendous move of God as the Truth For Youth Bible continues to be a seed that reaps an eternal harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. We trust that this message has blessed and encouraged you Let this word remain in your hearts and never forget that God's desire is to always exceed your expectations. The faithfulness and grace of the Lord abounds far beyond our comprehension. During this Thanksgiving season, expect God to fulfill that promise to you in every area of your life. If you have financial needs, Expect God to exceed your expectations. If you have spiritual needs expect God to exceed your expectations. If you have relational needs in your family or marriage, expect God to exceed your expectations. If you have a physical need in your body expect God to come through with healing and exceed your expectations. We are praying for you. God bless you. And thanks for listening to the ministry of Dr. Tim Todd and Revival Fires.
2: The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joint tomorrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Jesus was the Word made flesh.
1: We want to remind you once again that Revival Fires has a very special gift offer to extend to you. Dr. Tim Todd wants to give a free Truth for Youth Bible to every student between the ages of 13 and 18 so that they can give this Bible as a gift to someone who needs the Lord. You can order your free Truth for Youth Bible by going to truthforyouth.com. You can place an order for one Bible per teenager per household, totally free as a gift from Dr. Tim Todd and Revival Fires International. Once again, thanks for listening to today's broadcast.
0: You've been listening to the Revival Fires Radio Broadcast with Dr. Tim Todd. Revival Fires International is a dynamic ministry fanning the flames of revival across America and around the world through revival services, evangelistic crusades, providing more than 300,000 Bibles for our troops defending America in the war on terror, giving more than 2.5 million Truth For Youth Bibles to America's young people, providing 1 million Bibles for the people of Cuba that have never had a Bible, providing more than 1 million Bibles for Russian soldiers and more than 2.5 million Bibles for Russian young people, television and radio ministry, and internet evangelism. To receive a CD-DVD combo of today's message, or to view Dr. Tim Todd's ministry itinerary, or to become a monthly flame partner, or give a one-time tax-deductible financial gift to revival Fires. To help us continue the vitally important work that God is doing through Revival Fires International, you may go to revivalfires.org or write to us at Revival Fires, P.O. Box 372, West Monroe, Louisiana, 71294. Our address again is Revival Fires, P.O. Box 372, West Monroe, Louisiana, 71294 Until our next program thank you for praying for us and thank you for helping us take the whole gospel to the whole world before Jesus comes